Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Terry Thorne delivers the message entitled, Freedom from Worry. So join us now from Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God with confidence. Trusting in God's grace, let us share the prayer of confession. Gracious and holy God, we make no pretense about our lives. We forget even deny that we were created with wonder and delight in our souls. Instead, we go through life anxious and serious, afraid of the unknown, seeking to control outcomes, striving to build a certain future. We rush and hurry and fill up our calendars. Where is the joy? Where are the days of rest? Where is our sense of delight? Forgive us, Lord, for failing to be the contented and trusting people you created us to be. Help us to be quiet and still, waiting for your provision, rather than running ahead of you to try to create our own. Remind us again that we are loved for who we are, just as we are. Grant us your peace as we look to you for strength and courage, hope and help. In the precious name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray this and that which we confess in the silence of our hearts. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Hear now these words from the 145th Psalm. If you'd like to uh, read along, page 506 in your pew Bible. We're starting in the, in the second half of the 13th verse, continuing through verse 21. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him but all the wicked he will destroy. 
My mouth will speak the praises of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his name forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, starting at verse 25 to 34, picking up where we left off last week. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let us pray. In this hour, Lord, we pray you would silence all voices within us but your own so that we might hear the truth that you have for us today. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts willing to be transformed. May the words that we've read and sung and this message be of you and to your glory. Amen. So I'm curious, what happens inside of you when you hear someone, even if it's Jesus, tell you not to worry? Are you reassured? Do you feel challenged or admonished or outright guilty? Do you shake your head at the implausibility of turning off worry like a faucet? For many of us, do not worry immediately triggers worry. We either start worrying about our inability to not worry, and what that says about our faith, or all the things that we've been worrying about, they all come back up into the forefront of our head, and we start worrying about them in a whole new way with more anxiousness because we know we're not actually supposed to be worrying about them. Worry which is essentially our minds writing negative endings to stories that have yet to be told, is a struggle in many of our lives. Granted, a few folks are totally free of it, but a lot of us are not. And the same could be said of those who were surrounding Jesus as he offered the Sermon on the Mount, which is where the reading came from today. There were surely worriers among them. 
they were not people of means. They faced many uncertainties, particularly when it came to the basic essentials of life. They knew what it meant to be what we call now food insecure, uncertain of where they would find their next meal. They labored hard for every little thing, typically at the mercy of someone else's whim, and it often came up with next to nothing to show for it. Now, they were not slaves in the traditional sense of the word, but they were living under the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire, the burden of the religious law, and the scrutiny of the temple leaders. In many ways, their lives were not all that different from that of their ancestors who were captive under Pharaoh. Remember that story? They were enslaved to a political economic and social system that equated honor and wealth and poverty with shame. Millennia later, our world is now very different, but the core triggers of worry remain. When we feel as if our life is out of control or when we are at the mercy of other people or when our sense of security is threatened, we're prone to worry. And our enslavement, per se, is also different, but we are still part of a system that equates wealth and honor and poverty and shame. We are still not free of Pharaoh's unjust economic system. Wealth is still built on the backs of the poor. Societal value is still measured by what we can produce or do or bring to the table. And a scarcity mindset that there's not enough for everyone still drives us to not only accumulate and stockpile, but it also creates division and distrust and a blind eye toward others. So yes, the essence of this idolatrous, worry-producing system of pharaohs still exists. We are still influenced by it, subjected to it, and sometimes we are even loyal to it. Yet right here in these comforting words and these beautiful imagery of birds and flowers, Jesus invites us once again to be set completely free of it all. In the same way that God, through Moses, freed the Hebrew slaves from Pharaoh and led them out and delivered them to the promised land, through Jesus, we too are set free and we're offered a completely different way of life. One that is free of worry because it is free of bondage to lesser things. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Now, on the big picture level, Jesus is saying do not worry because God is trustworthy, which is 100% scriptural truth. However, we risk that these words, do not worry, will become a platitude 
or worse yet, a stumbling block of faith if we just stop there. If we hear, do not worry as a command for our behavior, rather than an invitation to another way of living. You see, for many of us, trust does not come easy, and often for good reason. Now, belief we can do. We believe in God. We believe that God loves us and knows our needs and cares for us. Yet there's this tug of war between our belief and our trust. Maybe that's what Jesus means when he says little faith. I'm not sure. This I do know, though. It is possible to believe, yet struggle to trust that that which we believe is actually true. There are also, and I want to name this, beloved children of God who deeply love God and trust God and desire to please God, yet they also suffer from anxiety that requires professional treatment. And they may be able to manage their worrying, but they still need professional mental health. And this is neither a weakness of their faith nor is it a behavioral choice, period. So it's important how we hear the words, do not worry. And when we hear them in context, when we understand that Jesus is not commanding behavior, but he's pointing to this really important truth, that when we eliminate the duplicity of trying to serve both God and worldly ways, what scripture calls mammon, our lives are eased of the chaos and the stress and the demands that come from trying to walk multiple paths at the same time. We become free of the very things that trigger our worry. Now, this is easier said than done. As a friend commented earlier this week, God gives us the freedom but we just keep giving it back. We keep handing over our peace and our joy in exchange for the very things that rob us of them. My friend is not wrong. We keep trying to go back to Egypt. We strive for God's kingdom and God's righteousness, yet we live in a world of deceptive idols and false messaging, and our egos are fed, and division gets created. And we trust in God's provision, yet we work hard to care for ourselves and our families and each other. And it's really easy to fall into the trap of self-reliance or I did it my way thinking. And we are assured that we are as valuable to God as the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Still, we wonder, what is our purpose in the world? And we're tempted to find our meaning in things, other people, or our accomplishments. We are promised that God is faithful, loves us, knows our needs, and that we do not need to worry about tomorrow. But when we face the storms of life, literally and figuratively, and when we find ourselves worrying about our survival, we fret. That's a much nicer word than worry. We fret over what might happen or what might be lost. 
Over and over again, God gives us freedom. Over and over again, we give it back. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that God will never not give us that freedom. The question is always, will we ever learn to not give it back? In other words, Jesus invites us to learn to trust only God and to seek first and only God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And our only response to that invitation is to just take that first step of faith and trust. Now, I cannot speak for everyone, but it has been my experience and perhaps yours that learning to trust God, learning to embrace freedom from worry and from my innate desire to control doesn't magically happen or inherently happen. Instead, building trust with anyone is a journey rooted in relationship and experience. Relationships create our desire to trust. Experiences of trustworthiness enables us to trust intrinsically and increasingly more. I'm reminded of a phrase that emerged from World War I fighter pilots, not Tom Cruise and Top Gun, which is where I thought it came from, referencing that the rear of the plane is the six o'clock position. So I got your six meant that the wingman was positioned to protect their partner pilot from enemy attack in the rear. So the relationship between the pilot and the wingman, which develops over time, must be one of complete and utter trust. Now, as a law enforcement chaplain, I came to understand that to have someone's six is the ultimate act of allegiance and love. And to trust that someone has your six is the ultimate freedom from fear and worry. You know They've got your back. Now, truth be told, the officers that I served always had my six. I knew them well, and never once did I need to worry or fear about getting into a patrol car with an officer or showing up on a scene. I always felt safe and protected. Took a little longer, though, for them to trust me. Nevertheless, as they got to know me better, as we had conversations about their spiritual and mental health and emotional concerns, as opportunities presented for me to prove my trustworthiness to them, well, then they finally came to trust that I had their six as well. I always had their back. They just had to experience it for themselves. And I have come personally to believe that learning to trust God works the same way. 
It is a journey rooted in our relationship and our experience of God. The more intimate our relationship with God, the stronger will be our desire to trust God. So we build that intimacy by spending time with God, by seeking God's presence in our prayer and in our worship and in our service and in our study. And as for experiences of God's trustworthiness, well, we could just simply rely on all the faith stories from Scripture and the word of generations of faithful followers because there is certainly plenty of proof stories there. But for those of us who need to experience things for ourselves, God's trustworthiness in our minds and in our hearts becomes greater and real, more real to us only when we place our trust in God. Even if it's just a tiny little baby step of trust. And then we wait and see what happens. And invariably, my experience has been that God shows up and provides in some really unexpected ways. And when we see those little ones, it encourages us to loosen our grip and trust again with an even bigger-sized step. Now, let's be clear about something. This doesn't mean that God always gives us what we want. It doesn't even mean that God will magically provide for all our material needs. I think Scripture's pretty clear that God intends us to do our part to take care of ourselves and each other. It does, however, mean that God will always provide what we need to be his people. The compassion, the mercy, the love, the wisdom, the discernment. Everything necessary to be the church. And as each of the little acts of trust is met with God showing up and proving to be trustworthy and faithful, then our faith grows and our trust deepens and peace Deep peace fills our hearts, and we are truly free. Free to love and be loved. Free to be ourselves. Free from the grip of worry and fear or the need to control. We are free to let go and let God. Let go and let God. Now, trusting God can be a very scary thing to test out. But I invite you to imagine the amazing things that can happen when we do. Imagine for yourselves what creative thing might emerge if we loosened our grip on control and instead trusted whatever God had in store. Even more so, what kingdom work could the church embrace if we rejected all lesser idols for the sake of seeking only God's kingdom and only God's righteousness? 
I wonder, too, if we, if we, God's people, accepted the invitation to be free of worry, if we allowed ourselves to trust that God will always show up and love and care for us, if we believed that there will always be enough, do you think we could then be free to become even more generous and willing to show up to love and care for others so that they too could worry no more. On this World Communion Sunday, I want to invite you to envision, and if you need to close your eyes to do some envisioning, feel free. Envision if every Christian at every table around the world chose to embrace our freedom in Christ, chose to reject lesser idols, and refused to give up our freedom ever again. Joy would overflow. Peace would reign, and the world would most certainly be changed. In Christ's name, may it be so. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for the invitation. We pray for the courage to accept it, the strength to hold on to it, the wisdom and will to never give it back. And we pray for the opportunity to be ourselves ones who help relieve the worries of the world. Amen. You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked sermons, and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indy. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org. That's T-A-B. P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. Sunday with Tab.